Friends, let's come to God in prayer. Lord, we pray that even as we listen to your word today and we digest, and even as I speak, Lord, with our, the outcome of my speaking and our thinking, honour and glorify you according to your will in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. Now, as Christmas draws nearer, one of the themes that are very closely associated with this whole area of Christmas is the theme of light, of lights. And so this is why the season of Advent is sometimes accompanied with the lighting of candles, uh, symbolizing the coming of the light of Jesus to the world of darkness. And during our Christmas candlelight service, the light of Jesus is passed on to others to symbolize the light growing in this dark world. As I mentioned last week on our message of putting on the new self in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul uses words that talk about how the unbelieving Gentiles are blind in their minds and hearts, and as a result, they are in darkness. Now today, Paul is still addressing the same group of people shortly after telling them to you know, put off the old self, put on the new self. But we're not going to pick off exactly where we left off at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, because it, it generally continues the do this, uh, it, don't do this, instead of that, do this. You know, it continues that pattern. Instead, today we're going to jump ahead to verse 8, okay, that was read to us just now. So we can focus on this whole theme of light versus darkness. Now, the Bible mentions light a lot, and not just in a physical sense. There are just a few examples. First uh, John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light, in Him there is no darkness at all. Uh, sorry, Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 5, talking about Jesus, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14, here Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. And so the Bible talks a lot about light, light, light. And light is a powerful metaphor. And because as you can see, the, the Bible uses it to describe God and his church. And Jesus himself used it to teach spiritual principles. And so the properties of light helps us to understand key concepts about the character of God and our role as his children. For example, the primary function of light is that it's an illuminator, okay, that lights up something, it helps you to be able to, uh, if it makes that thing bright, all right? And out of that function of light, you can see things like how light reveals truth. You know, it shows you the reality of what things are like and where they are. You know, things that are there in the darkness uh, that you wouldn't know about if you didn't have the light to shine on them to, to see those things in the darkness. Light reveals the truth of the situation. Light also guides you where you want to go. 
without light as a guide to your destination, you could be heading in the wrong direction because you can't see where you're going. And light helps you to avoid danger. Without light, you wouldn't know if you're going to step on something that may cause you trouble, like you know, tripping over something or, or falling into a hole. And so when the Bible uses light as a metaphor, it would naturally bring to the minds of their readers uh, all these properties of light, that light is something good and attractive rather than darkness, which is usually associated with evil that is done in the dark to conceal it. Okay, so throughout today's passage, uh, there, there are a lot, of, um, a, a lot of things that has to do with the general concept and metaphor of light. Uh, I, I trust I don't stretch it too much, but just keep in mind that as the readers of um, the, the letter of Ephesians, as they read not just this, but also other places in the Bible, as it mentions light, a lot of these things would also have come into their mind because light is such a loaded subject. Now, a big idea for today's message is that as children of the light of Jesus, we must reflect that light to the world around us. Okay, so this is our takeaway. Uh, if you forget everything or if you want to screenshot something, this is the, the thing. Okay, as children of the light of Jesus, we must reflect that light to the world around us. Now, the first thing I'd like us to pay attention to today is that we are children of light. Now, today's passage already mentions that we are children of light, but on top of it, John chapter 12, 36 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 also tell us this. Uh, it, it tells us, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And that's John chapter 12, verse 36. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. You are all children of the light and children of the day. You don't belong to the night or to the darkness. Okay, so we are children of light, but none of us are born as children of light. Before the Gentile believers became Christians, remember Paul is writing to these Gentile believers, he's saying they were all in darkness. None of us are, are born into light. We are all born into darkness. Verse 11 uh, of Ephesians chapter 5 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But it literally says, uh, so the original Greek uh, literally translates into, do not have fellowship with the fruitless works of darkness. And the word fellowship means to participate in something because of a close identification with another. Okay, and this ties into verse 7, which is just one verse before our scripture reading today, where in the context of the previous passage, Paul literally says, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 says, therefore do not be partners with them, okay, about these people who commit darkness, uh, Paul literally is saying, do not be co-participants with these unbelieving Gentiles who remain in darkness. Okay, so we are not born into light. We are born into, uh, we are naturally born into darkness. And while we have these associations with other people who are in darkness, Paul says, do not remain associating with them. So while Paul isn't saying that we should distance ourselves from unbelievers, 
he's saying that we should not participate in the dark deeds that they do. Okay, so in other words, we are no longer children of darkness. We are now children of light. So be different. Paul is telling us, be different. In verse 8, Paul tells us how we should be different. He says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Okay, so instead of being like those who are in darkness, now be different and live as children of light. Now remember, we saw earlier in other places in, in, in the Bible, in John, that God is light. In Him there is no darkness. Jesus is light of the world and so on and so forth. And so light in the Bible is not only just associated with good or righteousness. Light is associated with God Himself. And so Paul, using this metaphor of being children of light, he's essentially saying that we are to live as God's children. I remember last week's passage that our new selves are created in God's image of true righteousness and holiness. And so we are created, uh, we, we, we are born into darkness, we are not to any longer associate with the deeds of darkness, we are to live as children of light, as God's children made in His image. And so that brings us to this simple fact that there should be a contrast between darkness and light. There is a difference between light and darkness. Now, for many, many people, whether they identify as Christians or not, the difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian has to do with church. Uh, whether they come to church, whether they give to the church, whether they are married in church. But if you look at the contrast in verse 8, it says, you were once in darkness, but now you are light. Nothing about church. It's, it's a contrast between darkness and light. There isn't a bigger contrast than the difference between darkness and light. If your house trips at night, I'm sure you've experienced this before. Uh, you're sleeping, and then suddenly, everything is so silent, it's very hot, okay? Your house has tripped, and you're in total darkness. You have to slowly feel your way over to the circuit breaker box, and every step is slow. Every step is tentative, anxious. You don't know what you're going to bump into. You don't know what you're stepping on. But if you turned on the flash of your handphone, or maybe you had an emergency lamp or candle to help you, then that little bit of light, just that tiny, tiny source of light, makes all the difference when you are in darkness. And your movements can regain purposeful confidence without fear of what's around you. And so those who live in darkness and those who live in light feel differently and they behave differently. So let me ask you that if we are to be different as children of light from others in darkness. Let me ask you, if you lived side by side with those who don't follow Jesus from Monday to Saturday and the subject of church or religion never came up, would anyone be able to tell the difference? Would anyone be able to see any difference between light and dark, between you and somebody else who doesn't follow Jesus? There must be a difference. 
between those who follow Jesus and those who do not. It must be absolutely clear to the world around us that we are children of light and not of darkness. Now, what helps to make this clear? What helps to make this difference very clear? Verse 9 tells us, It is by the fruit that light bears. And the fruit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, remember how you can tell a tree by its fruit, right? And if people can see the fruit of light in our lives, it becomes clear that we are children of light. Now, although... Paul calls the deeds of darkness fruitless in verse 11. It's set within the context of uh, the earlier verses in verses 3 to 6, which talks about sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, immorality, uh, more immorality, impurity, greed, idolatry, deception, and disobedience. And so these are some of the unhelpful things that the unbelieving Gentiles had fellowship with and they participated in. And so, while the rest of the world produces, uh, in, in this, uh, they, they produce these deeds of darkness that are not fruitful, okay, they are not uh, good, they are not helpful, instead of having fellowship with these things, we should expect to instead bear the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth in our lives as children of light. And so, in order for people to tell the fruit of light in our lives, can they see goodness, righteousness, and truth? Or do they see sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, uh, idolatry, deception, disobedience? So here's a, just a, 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 oh yeah, before we get to that point when we are able to bear the fruit of light, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth, the default state for all of us is darkness. And so that means that if we are not born into light, we're born into darkness, it means that light is initially alien to all of us. And darkness is what we are most familiar with. And so, friends, there is great power in familiarity because whatever we are most familiar with, we will find the most comfortable. If we are immersed in darkness, both from the world we live in as well as the things that we choose to consume with our eyes, our ears, our minds, then being a child of light will continue to be alien and unfamiliar. If you've just shut yourself in a house with no lights for the whole day, and then suddenly somebody opens the door and it's bright daylight pours in, it's very alien, it's very uncomfortable. And so, if we immerse ourselves in darkness, light will continue to be alien and unfamiliar. But in Jesus, the, the light that shines in our darkness, there is always hope to break out of this comfortable trap of darkness. And it starts with identifying as a child of light or a new person, as we saw last week, and following the footsteps of Jesus, the light of the world, one step at a time. And so just a, a practical tip for you. Whenever in your spiritual life you feel uneasy and uncomfortable, pay attention 
immediately pause and analyze the situation that you're in and carefully look at the response that you're about to take because this discomfort and, and unfamiliarity might be an opportunity for you to identify as a child of light in this world that is just so familiar and comfortable with darkness. Now let's spend some time discussing these questions with those around you or, or you can reflect on it on your own. What is one step you can take to be more familiar with identifying as a child of light? And so for the children, what is one good habit you can keep as God's child? Okay, let's spend two minutes reflecting and discussing this. Now let's move on to our second point. The second thing we must establish today is that Jesus is the source of our light. Now in Greek mythology, there's a titan. The, uh, the titans are the older generation of Greek gods, okay, before the Olympians, the Olympian gods. Uh, there are the, you know, Zeus and Ares and, and Hades and all those that are very popular. And so there's, there's a titan one of the older Greek gods known as Prometheus, and he stole fire from the gods of Olympus and gave it to the humans in order to help them give rise to technology and human civilization because fire basically uh, is the source of uh, a, a lot of technology that happens. And so Zeus, the, the king of Olympian gods, chained Prometheus to a rock as punishment and here, eagle eat his liver for eternity as, as punishment. Uh, and so, it's a gruesome story and something that we don't believe in, of course. But without 
Prometheus, the humans would never have known about fire and the incredible potential that fire would bring. Now, in a similar sense, Jesus brought light into our world, and without him, we would have remained in darkness. Last month, at the start of our sermon series on Ephesians, we saw how we were saved purely by God's grace, not by any effort of our own. And slightly before that, I mentioned John Wesley's doctrine of prevenient grace, right? God's grace that comes to us even before we can respond to it. And so as children of light, our light comes from Jesus, not within ourselves. It is a gift that we cannot earn, a gift that comes from Jesus. Verse 13 tells us, Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is not just talking about exposing deeds of darkness in verse 11. Paul is reminding the Gentile believers that their own darkness, because they used to be in darkness, their own darkness was exposed by light. And then in verse 14, Paul refers to a poem or a hymn of some sort that was probably well known back then. And he says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. An ancient hymn. Uh, because Christ shone on the Gentile believers, their deeds of darkness were not just exposed, but they became a light. They became children of light. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And so, friends, what this, what this means is that without Christ coming into the world to bring us this gift of light, we would remain in darkness, and there's nothing that we can do to change that. And so Jesus is the source of our light, our ability to walk in the light as children, as, uh, to live as children of light. All that is dependent on Jesus. In fact, if you uh, just turn to Ephesians chapter 5, you just look through Ephesians chapter 5, through that whole chapter, Christ is the reason for almost all the instructions that Paul gives to the Ephesians. You know, I, I'm not going to go through all of it, it's too many. You go back and check for yourself. But Ephesians chapter 5, Christ is the reason for all those instructions. Almost all these teachings on how to live practically as children of light has Christ as the reason for following them. And so this should help us to put things in perspective. That if we don't have Jesus as the source of light, either because we have not let him into our lives, or because we live a life that has little to do with Jesus, we cannot live as children of light. Because uh, we, we cannot be a light, we cannot bear fruit of the light. Because Jesus is the source. And so if we are not close to the source, we cannot live as children of light. We would not even be able to find out what pleases the Lord, as verse 10 says, because that comes with the command to live as children of light. That as we uh, live as children of the light, then we can also find out what pleases the Lord. The Greek for what pleases the Lord 
is literally what is acceptable to the Lord. So this is not so much about trying to find out what is this special thing that I can do to make God happy, but more about discovering His will, more about discovering how He wants us to live. And so without Christ, we can still be very busy, we can be very hardworking, but we would be busy stumbling around in darkness, working very hard towards what may not even be God's will because we don't know what it is. So are you plugged into the source of your light, which is Jesus? Uh, Jesus also uses the vine and branches illustration for our relationship with Him, right? that we need to remain in Him because apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so similarly, we need to remain plugged in to Jesus. Now, perhaps you had the light of Jesus shine on you before. And you shone brightly as a child of light, and you identified, yes, I'm a child of light. And maybe this light has faded, or maybe it's just completely gone out in your lives. And if that's the case, the solution is not to look for a brighter environment so you'll feel brighter. It's not to just only polish the surface of your light bulb or anything like that. The solution is to plug back into Jesus who is the source of all light, and to remain plugged in. In case all these light bulb metaphors are not connecting with you, a simple practical application would be look for Christ in all the motives, uh, in the motives of all that you do, like Paul does in Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, look for Christ in the motives of all that you do. So you can take stock of your daily and weekly schedule. Look at your calendar. What are the things that you do? What are the major things in your day? And realign your motives to be Christ-centric. And if you cannot find Christ in your motive, if you cannot find Christ in the reason for why you are doing that thing, then maybe it's worth reconsidering whether it's something you should continue doing. Now let's spend some moments in discussion or reflection. How are you staying plugged into the source of light, who is Jesus? And for the kids, what helps you to stay close to Jesus? Two minutes.
Okay, we come to our third and final point that we need to reflect His light. Paul tells the Ephesians in verse 9 that living as children of light should result in the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. We saw that just now. And he also tells us, uh, he also tells the Ephesians in verse 11 to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. And so as children of light, we have a responsibility not just to absorb light, like a, like a plant or something, but to shine the light of Jesus unto others as well. Jesus himself tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And in John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, and then he also calls his disciples, you are the light of the world. Why? John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. You see, when Jesus died and he rose again, he ascended into heaven, the church of Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus, us, you and me, we are the ones who now represent Jesus as his light to the rest of this world that is still in darkness. And so that's why this, all this business about living as children of light is so important because people need to see the light of Jesus through us. I happen to know of many people who gave their lives to Christ uh, from other churches as well as this congregation and they gave their lives to Christ they, they came to Christ they came to faith not because Jesus appeared to them in a dream or because they had some sort of emotional encounter with him in worship but they saw how the church of Jesus Christ how other Christians how they shone the light of Christ into a dark situation that they were going through like a, a painful breakup or a long, drawn-out illness or a bout of depression or whatever. It was when the church of Jesus Christ, not just the, the, the formal church, but the individual members of the body of Christ, Christian brothers and sisters like you and me, when these people shone light into their darkness, and so in their moments of darkness, uh, ordinary Christians did simple acts of goodness, simple acts of righteousness, simple acts of truth. They bore the fruit of the light and helped them through their darkness. And through the church, these people who were once in darkness caught a glimpse of Jesus Christ. And so friends, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 in action when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, when our good deeds, the fruit of the light, don't draw attention to ourselves, but instead point them to Jesus, the source of the light, so that they might glorify God. And so that is our role, to shine the light of Jesus into this world of darkness. But our role as light bearers is also to expose darkness with our light. Now, before I continue down this line of thought, 
Let me just qualify that the immediate context of this command to expose the darkness with light is Paul telling the Gentile believers to no longer live in darkness and to instead live as children of light. Okay, so uh, Paul says, uh, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So verses 11 to 13 are mainly about Paul telling the Gentile believers in Ephesians, uh, sorry, in Ephesus, he's telling them to not secretly continue living in darkness, to expose any deeds of darkness that they do so that they cannot continue in secret. And so this is actually a biblical reason for why we place so much emphasis on accountability and why we have small groups and we check up on one another and all that, right? And so this, the, the context of this passage, these verses are not telling us to go around and expose darkness. You know, you're a child of light, go and expose darkness. It's not telling us to go around pointing fingers at non-Christians and condemning them, shaming them, why are you doing these deeds of darkness? Let me expose light on you. Uh, let me whistle blow on your immorality. It, this, this passage is not telling us to do that. But many other places in the Bible does tell us to defend the rights of the poor and needy, to correct oppression, to bring justice to the weak and fatherless, to plead the widow's cause. So there is a place for us as children of light, to expose evil that is done to those who cannot resist it. So there is a place for us to expose evil and darkness, but that, that is being done to those who cannot help themselves. And so that's one of the reasons why not everyone will embrace the light. Although we are told to shine so that others might see and glorify God, Jesus does say in John chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And so despite shining the light of Jesus into this dark world around us, the reality is not everyone likes or wants the light, probably because darkness is too familiar and comfortable. So we can tell people about Jesus. We can offer godly advice and counsel. We can even try to help somebody that we see in need. But not everyone will be receptive to the light of Christ. And there are people in darkness who will very well reject Jesus. So if you ever try to let your light shine, work towards good, uh, righteousness, truth, and you get rejected, don't take it personally. People are not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. And that's why when it comes to evangelism and witnessing to others about our faith, we should not become discouraged if they don't want to listen because we can expect it to happen. People will reject the light of Jesus. One last thing about light being reflected, how much light is reflected depends on the surface of the light that it's shining on and how bright the source of the light is. And so when we shine a, a powerful flashlight on a shiny metal surface, it reflects more light than shining a dim candle on a carpet. Right? 
But we know that the source of our light is infinitely brighter than anything else. Jesus, light of the world. And so what remains is how much the world can see the light of Jesus in us. What sort of surface do we have to reflect? And we remain reflective when we stay plugged into the source and we live as children of light without allowing darkness to secretly live on in us. Our last time of discussion and reflection. What is one area of darkness that needs the light of Jesus? What can you do to shine this light there? And for kids, what makes you different from other kids who aren't Christian? Let's discuss. Apologies for those who have kids. Uh, this question is from last week, and I already made the correction, but forgot to correct it on, on this particular slide. Uh, so if you have another time with your kids, you can ask them, do you know anyone who needs help, and what can you do to help them? Okay, that's the question. Do you know anyone who needs help? What can you do to help them? Okay, let's conclude. I'd like you to know this morning that Jesus has made us children of light. And so are we plugged into Jesus as our true source of light? I'd like you to be familiar with being different, that in your home, your school, your workplace, even in traffic, are you a child of light? Can people tell the difference between you and a world that doesn't believe in Jesus? And do, light the, uh, do shine the light of Jesus on the darkness around you. How well are you reflecting the light of Jesus to this dark world around you? May we live as children of the light of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, it's so easy to lose ourselves in darkness when we are surrounded by such darkness. 
Yet we recognize, Lord, that the darkness did not and cannot overcome the light that is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so help us, Lord, to walk in the light as children of light, boldly, consistently, and with the same attitude of humility and love that Jesus exemplified. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the eternal light of the world. Amen.